Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. This episode of The Bad Broadcast is sponsored by ShipStation. All right, you guys, the holidays are upon us, which means the busiest shipping season is right around the corner. ShipStation handles all of the shipping from your online products all in one place, meaning you can open yourself up to more opportunities to put yourself out there online, and that means growth. Whether you're starting small or scaling up, ShipStation makes ship happen. You can maximize your sales with minimal effort, and you can also save time with consolidated order management and automated shipping updates for your customers. It's the only shipping software I have ever used, and I will never go back. You can join over 130,000 companies who have grown their e-commerce businesses with ShipStation. So ship more and grow more with ShipStation. Go to ShipStation.com today and sign up with the promo code BAD for a free 60-day trial. Start today and get set up before the biggest shipping season of the year. That's two months free. Visit ShipStation.com, click the microphone at the top, and type in code BAD. Welcome to The Bad Broadcast. I'm your host, Maddie Murphy. Hello, every single one of you sweet, sexy, baby broad angels. Welcome back to a new episode of The Bad Broadcast. My name is Maddie. I'm your host, and I'm so happy to be here. I'm I'm actually in a in an alarmingly good mood. I'm a little I'm a little worried about myself. I'm worried this might not flow correctly with me being in such a good mood, but we're just going to roll with it. Today's episode is a two it's a two-parter. Well, I shouldn't say two-parter, two-segmenter. We're going to open up with some petty petty princess submissions back by popular demand. And then we're going to finish it out with some voicemails. We haven't done voicemails in a very, very long time. And you guys had some good questions for me. So we're going to listen to those voicemails. I'm going to respond. But uh, before we begin our Petty Petty Princess uh, submissions, I do want to give a little shout out, a little shout out to a best friend of mine and fellow podcaster, Wesley Christensen. I know a lot of you guys found me through her podcast, Wake Up With Wesley. And I'm just going to turn you right around and send you back on over to her because she launched season two of Wake Up With Wesley. And you guys, you guys should know. You guys should know the truth. You guys should know the truth about Wesley. Okay. And the truth is, is that she is one of the most amazing people I've ever known in my life. I haven't been super open about the, you know, life changes I've gone through this last, these last few months. I mean, you guys know about it. You guys know I took a break from the podcast. You know that I kind of restructured some things. I went through some things. I'm okay now. I'm okay. You know, we're, we're standing on solid ground. Matt is good, all that. But through the really hard times this summer, 
I was able to find people who I just really, really, really trusted and connected with. And I'm so happy to say that Wes is one of those people. She's just phenomenal in every way. And if you can absorb any of her wisdom or light or humor or anything, consider yourself lucky. So she launched season two. I could not recommend her as a human or the podcast more. So I just wanted to say that. I want to give a shout out to her. It's very hard to make yourself vulnerable on on a podcast. It's hard to kind of balance like oversharing and being vulnerable, but not being closed off, but keeping your life private and wanting to open up to help people, but wanting to protect yourself. It's this very, very weird balance. And Wes just does such a great job. And she's just, she's a hero of mine in real life and in podcasting. So just wanted to give her a, a heartfelt shout out because I, uh, I adore her. So go listen to Wake Up With Wesley. And now it's time to dive into our episode, which begins with the segment of Petty Petty Princess. Petty Petty Princess originated exactly a year ago from the day I'm recording this. I didn't even do that on purpose. I was looking at the Google form because I have you guys submit all your answers through these Google forms. And I scrolled to the top and it said September 21st. And I thought that's that's weird that, that there's not older submissions because today is September 21st as I'm recording this. Turns out that I just had launched this topic exactly a year ago, which is crazy. Isn't that a weird coincidence? Now that we did that crazy coincidence episode, they're just popping up all over the place. So we're on the one year anniversary of Petty Petty Princess. And these submissions are exactly what they sound like. All the petty things that you guys do uh, that I'm here to celebrate. It could be getting back in an ex. It could be putting crumbs in a roommate's bed. It could be ordering shoes on Nordstrom for pickup because you went in and they told you that they didn't have your size, but you saw them online. So you ordered them and you made the lady bring them out to you and you put them on in front of her so that she could feel dumb. That's what I did last year. And guess what? It felt good. Nobody got hurt. Pettiness is about a feeling of satisfaction. It's not about like actually hurting somebody. That's why we can celebrate it. Um, So we're going to do some petty, petty princess submissions and then get into the voicemail. So we begin with not the pettiest thing I've ever done, but I'm a Starbucks barista and I have all the time in the world to be petty to these customers that just don't quit. I'm sitting at work raging right now because all morning there have been nothing but Karens. One thing that really rubs me the wrong way is the light ice people. If you start saying light ice more than three times in your order, you bet I'm going to give you three ice cubes and call it a day. You want extra hot and remind me multiple times like I'm a child? You get the hottest water on tap. Enjoy your scalded tongue. Same with light cream. If you talk down to me like that, I will give you a literal drop of cream in your coffee. I'm not here to mess around. Maybe this is controversial, so I'm curious on Maddie's thoughts on this. I'm not trying to be a bitch. I am the nicest to people who treat me with an ounce of respect. For the love, remember your barista is a human being and be kind. Anyway, my petty rant is over and I can take a breath. Love you. Okay, so people working in the food service industry. I feel like we talk about this a lot and I have a lot of feelings about it. The thing I want to say is that we as a society, I mean, we're getting better. We're getting better. I feel like we're more aware of people in the food service industry, but why do we treat them like they are elected officials that are just born to serve us? I Like the way we treat like baristas and servers and all of these things, we act like they are, they have a PhD in like hospitality. Like stop. Like give them a break. They are humans first of all. A lot of times they're just kids. 
they make like $7 an hour. If they do something wrong or they don't want to take your shit, they shouldn't have to. They're not getting paid. Like if they were getting paid six figures to make your coffee, I can understand you being a little bit pickier. Okay. I can under you understand you sending it back or wanting it remade or whatever. They're just people working a part-time job. Just give it a second. Okay. They're human beings. They're not, they're not born to serve you. I, I don't know. I just feel like, I feel like the respect meter is a, a little bit wonky when it comes to food service industry people. We act like they are meant to wait on us hand and foot. Like they're literally there to fill up your coffee. It's fine if they get it wrong. You can ask them to replace it. They'll do it. You don't have to be a giant dong about it. You know what I mean? So I don't think it's that petty. I mean, maybe I, I would, I would not be on board if it was like, Hey, I'm allergic to dairy. And then you were like giving them dairy. Like that's kind of, you know, that's like a little bit messed up. Like you have the power to like, you know, maybe hurt somebody. But if like you're just going to give them three ice cubes when they ask for light ice over and over again, I say do it. I say do it. I'm in full support. Get that petty fill. Okay, next one. She says, I just want to give a disclaimer that I'm a good nanny about 98% of the time. <laughs> whenever I tell, But whenever I tell the kids to stop jumping on any type of furniture and they continue to ignore me and then they fall, I revel in that shit. I sit there and comfort them while enjoying the fact that they got minimally injured. Maybe I relate to the Mother Gothel scene in Tangled where she sings Mother Knows Best. Anyway, put my name in the ring for Petty Nanny of the Year. You know what? I'm on board because I feel like we need to encourage common sense. I don't want to go on this rant and have it be misconstrued that I think that like nobody uses common sense and whatever and blah, blah, blah. But I do want to go on this rant a little bit. I do want to dip my toes in this rant because I feel like in this day and age of cancel culture and hyper, you know, hyper aware of everything we say in the context and all of these things, we don't foster community of common sense very often. Like, I feel like everybody's got a one track mind about doing everything perfectly correct. And we don't add in the, the factor that we are uh, flawed human beings. The reason this ties into this is because I see it all the time with parenting. You guys know I'm not a parent. I'm, I'm purely a parenting observer. We see moms do certain things and the internet insists that we, how should I say this? I'm trying to figure out how to phrase it. The internet expects perfection. Okay. The internet expects perfection out of every single person, place, thing, parenting technique, everything. So when the parent does something that's just even slightly different than another parent would do, uh, we immediately jump on them. They're canceled, whatever, blah, 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 blah. Where's the common sense here? Where is the common sense? Kids are going to fall. Okay. If this was on TikTok, if this was a TikTok of a bunch of kids and they were jumping on couches and one of them fell, you can bet every dollar in your bank account that the comment section would say something to the effect of how terrible of a mother that mom is for letting their kids fall. Where is the common sense? Where, where's just the, the infusion of common sense to say, you know what? Kids are going to fall. That's fine. Builds character. They'll be all right. They just need to stand up. People are going to say stupid stuff. That's all right. Nobody's perfect. We expect perfection in every possible facet of life, in everything anybody says or does. If there's anything less than perfection, man, it is game over. I almost said an F word in there, which I don't, 
I, I don't often feel tempted to do on the podcast, but it is game over. We give people no slack. We give people no slack. And it's actually kind of depressing. I don't know. I feel like that ties in to letting your kids fall and being okay with it because <laughs> I don't know. I just, I, you guys know how I feel about moms. I think they're the most amazing people. I think it's the most amazing job in the world. And the fact that we just expect every parent and child to be perfect and nobody to fall and nobody to put weird stuff in their mouth. And if they do, then they're the, ter- like, it's crazy. It's crazy to me. So I don't know. I think letting your kids fall down, I don't see the harm in it. I fell down plenty as a child and uh, I turned out relatively okay, I would think. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Dipsy. All right, it's time to be honest with yourself. Are you feeling a little anxious? Are you feeling a little overwhelmed? Do you need a, a release of some sort? I bet you do. These feelings of anxiety and being overwhelmed can make it hard to shift gears and get into the mood, if you know what I mean. With Dipsy, you can focus on just what makes you feel good. Dipsy is an app full of hundreds of short, sexy audio stories designed by women for women. They bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and characters, no matter who you're into or what turns you on. New content is released every week. So in between listening to your favorite stories again and again, you can also always find something new to explore. Keep it spicy. Dipsy also has sleep stories, wellness sessions, and now they also offer written stories. It's your go-to place to spice up your me time, explore your fantasies, or heat things up with a partner. You can't go wrong. For listeners of The Bad Broadcast, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com bad. That's 30 days of full access to spice up your me time, get a little sexy, for free when you go to D-I-P-S-E-A stories.com slash bad. That's dipsystories.com slash bad. Take care of yourself. Get a little release. Get a little steamy at dipsystories.com slash bad. This episode of The Bad Broadcast is brought to you by First Person. We all want to turn back the clock. Let's not kid ourselves. All right, I'm approaching 30 and I wouldn't mind I wouldn't mind knocking a few years off of my age, not for vanity, not for not for anything that I experienced in the past. I just would love like less brain fog and more energy. You know, I'm not going to shy away from it that my brain is not as sharp as it used to be. (laughs) But thanks to first person, I can take a more active role in my brain's overall health. So after witnessing the deteriorating effects that Alzheimer's had on their father and grandfather's cognitive health, brothers Chris and Joe were determined to take their brain health into their own hands. So 25 years of research and experimentation later, they created First Person, an innovative, precision-targeted cognitive supplement system which uses the brain-boosting medicinal benefits of mushrooms to activate the full potential of human cognition and brain health. I've been using them for a few weeks now, and I've always been interested in the medicinal side of mushrooms and microdosing. So I dove in head first when they sent me these. I was fully on board. But the one supplement that I definitely use the most and I feel the best on is the Sunbeam. So the one that I take first thing in the morning that targets dopamine. Oh my gosh, it just gets my day started off right. I'm in a better mood. I'm an overall better person. So start improving your brain health and cognition with First Person. Get 15% off of your first order by going to getfirstperson.com and using the code BAD. That's G-E-T-F-I-R-S-T. P-E-R-S-O-N 
firstperson.com, code BAD for 15% off of your first order. Getfirstperson.com, code BAD. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. These products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any diseases. Well, hello. I'm Katie Maloney, and you probably know me from a little show called Banner Bumber Rolls. I've been labeled all kinds of things, a bitch, a bully, and a mean girl. But there is so much more to a person than what you see on TV. Tune in every Friday as I talk to some of my friends and castmates, celebrities, comedians, medical professionals, and maybe some political figures. And by the time we're done, you're going to love me. All right, next one. She says, not me being petty, but my husband. I guess I need you to settle who is right in this scenario. I'm due with my first baby at the end of January 2023. Along with that comes a lot of nerves, anxiety, and excitement, as I'm sure you can imagine. My husband and I have talked a lot about the birth and delivery. My husband has the audacity to tell me that he should be the one to hold our baby first after I spend what I can only imagine will be hours delivering and giving birth to him. My husband is not budging no matter how much I say that I am the one earning the right to hold and bond with our baby first. Am I wrong here? Am I insane to think that I deserve that privilege after nine months of hell plus giving birth? Let me know. Love ya. If if you know me at all, I mean, really, you if you just met me about 35 seconds ago, I think you know how I feel about this. I say kill your husband. No, I'm joking. Don't kill him. But one step below that, which is exile. Exile from the the delivery room, uh, from all parenting privileges, period, except all the ones you don't want to do. No, I think that if you carry a human in your body and you feed it with your body, you push it out of your body and you uh, dedicate your life and body to raising that child. uh, Yeah, I think you get first dibs on, on holding that baby. No questions asked. I also feel the same way with like naming babies. Like I think moms should just be the one to name. Like when my brothers get a little overexcited about what they think they should name their child. Absolutely not. I I won't be having any of that near me. Okay, next one. She says, I should really be receiving a best actress Oscar for this story. First, I decided to meet up with a dude from a dating app on the day we started talking, which is never a good idea. After he picks me up in a minivan, no less, and we start aimlessly driving in a nearby canyon, we park and start chatting, but I can tell where things are headed. I would have been down to just hook up had we not started talking about music. After telling him about the Beyonce concert I just went to, he offhandedly said, well, actually, I think Beyonce is way overrated. First of all, like not a cool hot take. Like that's not a cool hot take at all. Like men who say that think that they have the edgiest opinions in the world. Nobody cares. Nobody gives a shit if you think Beyonce is overrated. Okay. Anyway, she says, I seriously thought about exiting the vehicle in that moment. Fine. If you don't care for her music, but give the woman some damn respect. He keeps blabbing about music and I'm texting my roommate in SOS to get me out of here. Just as he starts asking me how I feel about kissing on the first date, ick. I get a call from my roommate with a great excuse about why I need to get home immediately. As soon as I hung up, he starts the car and says, oh, I get it. The old call from a friend to get you out of the date. I know that one. Excuse me? How dare he call me out like that? So I'm not trying to hurt his feelings, but then I decide to turn it back on him. (laughs) She just fully starts gaslighting him. What do you mean that one? I say, is that a thing people actually do? And with that, I faked the rest of the way home that I had never heard of that move before. And I actually thought it was kind of mean. He then excitedly tells me about all the times he's faked an emergency to get out of a date and starts giving me tips for next time. 
I thank him for the tips and promise I will make it up to him in the future. Got home and blocked his number. Disrespectful to Queen B and has the audacity. I don't think so. Bullet dodged. Okay, yes. Gaslight, gatekeep, girl boss, your way out of that situation. I think that that's a wonderful move and just petty enough. You want to know what weirdly came to mind as I was reading this? I think that we need a list of safe words. I thought that I would provide a list that you guys can use in your group messages for when you're in a sticky situation, like when you need somebody to call you to get you out of it or when you need somebody to just text you or something, you need somebody to come over and interrupt the the conversation. So I looked up safe words and there's apparently a whole list that comes from the emergency broadcasting system. So I'm going to give you guys some of these and you can use them at your disposal. Okay. I, I, I hope you do. I hope you adopt these in your girly group chats for when you need somebody to call you. Some of the words include glory, fanfold, governor, catwalk, raisin, minus, fortress, canyon. I don't know why this felt like really, really pivotal information that I give you guys. Please keep a list of safe words. It is actually just something that you should have with your girlfriends or like your mom or something. You should always have safe words. Step number one is don't say yes to anybody who you think you may need a uh, safe word from. But just in case you do, there's a list of really good ones. Mine was always pineapple. Uh, I feel like that's a pretty common one. It's from a Ross Matthews YouTube video. People use it a lot. But uh, I hope I provided some some different ones for you. Okay, let's go on to the next one. I think I might have like a serious problem because whenever I go through these stories, I never see anything wrong with them. <laughs> like, like this one, like I, I, I don't see anything wrong with this. She says, my husband doesn't wrap up the diaper and throw it away. It's disgusting and unsanitary. So now that our baby's crawling, it's absolutely needs, it absolutely needs to stop. Whenever I find open diapers left around the house, I put them on his pillow. Like that just feels like that just feels right. Like I, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm I'm realizing that I maybe not be qualified to comment on these because almost every single one I'm like, yeah, obviously that's what you do. Uh, like this one. She says, I was engaged and living with my fiance when I found out he was cheating on me with various women online. I kicked him out immediately and kept almost everything. I considered it his payment to me for wasting my time. This guy freaked me out a little bit, so I wanted to do something that wouldn't trace back to me. We had two TVs, and he took one with him, but the two TVs were linked to one another. Before resetting mine, I went through and unsubscribed and canceled payment for every single streaming service he had, which was like 10. It's the little things. Like, yes, queen, slay. Like, I don't, I don't know what to say, but that's just exactly how you should behave. Uh, I guess this is mainly just an episode just validating your uh, not bad behavior, your justifiable behavior. All right, next one. She says, hi, Maddie. Love the podcast. You make Mondays a bit brighter. Thanks. Anyways, I've been dying to share this because I haven't really told anyone about it except my close friends. I was married to a guy that ended up cheating on me with one of his coworkers months after I had given birth to our son. I decided that I would move out because I wanted to get away as far as I possibly could from that man. And it worked out because I'd be closer to work and closer to my family. When it was time to move out, I took the pettiest things, you know, like those things that are super inconvenient to not have. I took the toilet paper roll holder thing that holds the toilet paper. <laughs> These are such good ideas. I took the shower curtain rod in one of the bathrooms. I took the light bulbs out of the lamps. And I also took the batteries out of all of the remotes. In the kitchen, I took all the forks and spoons, but I left the butter knives. And my most favorite, I went through a sock drawer and took one sock from every matching set. So when he went back to get socks, there would only be one sock and the other matching sock would be missing. Was it mature of me? No. Did I have a good laugh and did he deserve it? Absolutely. See? Completely justifiable. Also, great idea. 
All right, next up. She says, for starters, I just want to say driving on the road, some days you get humbled by your questionable driving and other days you are that humbler. I was on a left turn light and it went green. Keep in mind, I was not distracted. Not even 10, 10 seconds after that light was green, the lady behind me honked and waved her arms at me saying it's green. I proceeded to sit at that light until it was yellow and red and then I went. She needs a humbling and I was happy to provide. Okay, for oh, wait, hold on. 10 seconds is a long time. I mean, that's the light. Let's time 10 seconds. Look, I can do it right here as I record. That's the light going green right now. And then honking. She was giving you some slack because, okay, here's where I will just lay it all out about the type of driver I am. First of all, I'm not a good driver. I, I never have proclaimed to be a good driver. I would give myself a two out of 10. I'm also a really impatient driver. However, I will take a lot of shit while I'm driving. Like I accept that because I honk at people, people will honk at me. So I don't get mad when people honk at me, but I, I use that as an excuse to continue to honk at people. Like if the light turns green and I'm the second car back and it's not and you don't go like seriously within two seconds, I will honk. Not out of anger. Like I don't feel like an anger inside. I just feel like, come on, let's let's get going here. I have a lot of petty moves that I also do while I drive. Like, OK, this this should go to sh this should go to show how bad of a driver I am because this happens to me a lot. I have people turn around and follow me like I shouldn't say a lot, but definitely like three to four times a year. I will honk at somebody and they will either follow me <laughs> like this happened the other day. OK, this this is an actual story. So I was driving in a in a two, on a two lane highway. There was a car. I was on the left side of the lane and there was a guy to my right and he was in front of me and he flipped a U-turn going left, like right in front of me. Like I could have easily T-boned him. It was a very fair circumstance for me to honk. But I did. I mean, I laid on the horn a little bit. OK, I, I, I milked it a little bit. I laid on the horn. I used to be like above flipping people off. Now I'm not. I flip everybody off. I don't care. Uh, so I flipped him off, whatever. He flipped his U-turn and then he flipped another U-turn to get behind me again. And it was a very, very scary man in a very scary car. So he followed me and then we continue on this two lane. He's right next to me. I can feel him staring at me. I feel the heat of his anger staring at me through all the plexiglass. I could feel it. So then we pull up at a stoplight and I'm in the right side. I'm in the right lane. He's in the left lane, but we're both going straight and his window is down. I can hear him like in my, in my peripheral hearing and vision. I can see him yelling at me. He is not well. I'll tell you what the pettiest thing you can possibly do is. This goes for life. This goes for driving. This goes for relationships is not acknowledge it. Nothing drives people more insane than being ignored. You want to know how we know this? How we notice? Because that's how I respond. When I'm so mad at a driver and I want to get into it with them and they full on ignore me, I'm, I got to give props to them. I credit where credit is due, man. It is really doing the job. So if you make a car mad and you feel them staring at you and honking at you and flipping you off, ignoring them is the best thing you can do. Better yet, hop on a FaceTime. Hop on a, start singing. Turn your music up. Roll your window down and start tapping your hand alongside your car. Nothing drives people more crazy than you being completely unbothered. The pettiest princesses are unbothered, hot, and super rich. That's what I'm trying to be.
This episode of The Bad Broadcast is sponsored by Dime Beauty. You guys know that chatting about skincare is in like my top three favorite things to do. So spending a few minutes telling you guys about Dime Beauty is exactly how I would like to spend my day. First, let me tell you why you guys need to use these products. First of all, they're clean, vegan, cruelty-free. They're also affordable luxury. My two favorite words to hear together. It's great for all skin types and it's kind of a no-brainer because I know a lot of us get confused when we're building out a new skincare routine. We don't know what cleanser, what serums, what moisturizer. It gets overwhelming. There's a lot out there. But Dime Beauty can bundle whatever you need. They've got their R&R bundle. They've got their daily refresh, their melt and refresh bundle, their deep cleanse duo. They kind of take all of the guesswork out of it. Did I mention how gorgeous the branding is? I want to display it all over my home as well as on my face. So when you guys try these products out, make sure you use my code BAD for 20% off your entire order. Also, Dime provides free shipping on orders over $49. If you haven't tried Dime, make sure you do. My personal favorite is the cleansing balm. It's so sexy. It's affordable and it makes me feel good. So again, go to dimebeautyco.com and use the code BAD for 20% off your entire order and free shipping on orders over $49. That's dimebeautyco.com, code BAD. All right, next. She says, my husband is a big football fan to the point his cheering and love for the game gives me the ick. If his game day routine gets thrown off, he can be annoying. And on this particular day, he was very annoying. He had a friend over and they were too into the game. So I unplugged the Wi-Fi router, then hurried and plugged it back in and walked away to make myself look busy. 30 seconds later, I heard screams of panic coming from the living room. (laughs) And my husband ran upstairs complaining about the Internet company. I will be doing this throughout the rest of football season. Disclaimer, I really love my husband. He's the nicest person I know, but I really, really hate football season. You know what else is another trend going on right now? So we've got fantasy football going on in football season. Does anybody else feel like golf is like having a moment? I feel like all of my friends, husbands, all my brothers, like so many guys right now golf. Matt doesn't golf. He's got other, I mean, other hobbies, other annoying hobbies. But golf is like, is like everywhere. And I got to say it. Golf sucks. It's boring. It's stupid. The field is way too big. The ball is way too small. Like, why do boys want to hang out so bad that they invent stupid sports? I don't get it. I mean, like, if you're, I don't know, having a good time, drinking, driving the driving the golf cart, I don't know, I get it. But, like, I feel like golf games could be cut in in thirds. Like, I hear sometimes about how long, like, my brothers will golf for. It's hours. It's hours of the same thing. Oh my gosh, it sounds terrible. Anyway, all right, next one. She says, my favorite petty thing, you spelled favorite in a British way. God rest the queen. My favorite petty thing to do to someone I don't like, but know enough that I know their name is say, remind me your name again when I see them as if they're so unimportant in my life that I couldn't even be bothered to remember their name even though we've done stuff together slash it's clear I should know their name. It drives people crazy and it is so fun and petty. All right, be honest with me. Be honest. Is this the guy from my story last week who never remembers my name and pretends like we've never met? Is this a petty, petty princess move? Because if so, kudos. All right, it's working. 
It's so petty that I have complained about it all these years later. All right, let's do this one. And then I want to get to the voicemails. Um, She says, I love you, Maddie. Thank you. I love you, too. My siblings and I grew up playing sand volleyball in the summers with our parents and family friends through a bar league. One night, me and my sister overheard this lady shit talking our mom, not knowing that two of her daughters were right behind her. She was saying that our mom must be on drugs because she's so skinny. My mom's 5'2 and feisty, but yes, tiny. We listened to her talk crap for a couple minutes, but when she put her beer down to go play, me and my sister scraped every bit of bird poop we could find on all of the picnic tables, and we put it in her bottle and watched it all dissolve. By the time we were done, I would have guessed we put a half a cup of bird poop in there, and we watched her drink it later and knew she could tell something was and we knew she could tell something was off. We watched her drink the entire thing, commenting about the weird flavor several times. We waited until we were we were home to tell our mom and she thought it was hilarious. Honestly, defending your mom is a free pass to do literally anything you want. Also, I when I read these stories, I do realize that being a little sister really ups your creative juices when it comes to doing petty things. Like I I need to sit down and list all the petty things I did to my older brothers because I couldn't like physically fight them. I usually couldn't outsmart them, but I could cause very petty inconveniences. Like I could quit board games halfway through to make the teams uneven so they couldn't play anymore. Like those were my main defenses. Being a little sister fuels fuels pettiness. Okay, let's start listening to some of these voicemails. I just opened it up for some general questions and I had some really, really good ones come in. I I never know how people feel about the voicemails, so I don't, I don't do a lot of them, but when we pick them, I try to make them worth it. So let's get into some of these Ask Me Anything voicemails uh, to begin our second segment. Here we go. Voicemail number one. Hi, Maddie. So something super weird happened recently, and I love your feedback. Um, so I was invited to a book club with some girls I met on Bubble BFF, and most of us were meeting each other for the first time at our first meetup, where we each came with book suggestions to pitch, and then we'd all vote for our first month's pick. And I was definitely the biggest reader among the group, and when pitching mine, I kind of felt like I was talking too much and just got a weird vibe. But by the end of the night, I thought we all had a good time and we were sent a spreadsheet sheet to rank all the suggestions from one to 11. So one being our first pick. And the book with the lowest total after everyone voted would be our first book. So I checked in on the voting multiple times throughout the week and my pick was consistently ranked as people's number one or like at least in their top five. The last time I checked was the morning before the vote closed, and my pick was winning significantly, but two girls still needed to enter their vote. So the next day, we got a text announcing the book pick, and it wasn't mine, which I was kind of surprised by, but, you know, whatever, no big deal. So I just thought I'd check the spreadsheet after to see how close it was, and Maddie, my book won. My book got 21 points, which was the lowest total, and the book chosen had 24 and it's been two days since the announcement and no one said anything. I definitely feel like I can't say anything because I was invited into the club. I didn't organize it. And what am I going to say? Like, um, actually, my book won. Like, how lame would that be? What's even weirder is the girl who organized the voting and sent the text voted my book number one. So, like, I don't know. Do you think it was just an oversight? Do you think there was a secret meeting and they actually, like, don't like me? I feel like I'm overthinking it, but it's still really odd. So thanks for listening to me, Rand. Love you on the pod so much. Okay, bye. You guys know I couldn't pass this one up because it's perfect for small scale drama, which is my favorite thing. 
Also, I don't live like I don't live in a neighborhood. I don't have like neighbor. Well, I shouldn't say I don't live in a neighborhood. I do. I do live in a neighborhood. I don't participate in like neighborhood activities that like normal people do. I think so. I love juicy neighborhood gossip. My best friend Meg lives in a in a little community and I love hearing about everything that goes on. And when you said book club, I immediately became invested. So I, I do feel like I misheard either part of it or maybe I'm just dumb. Probably that one. Um, but I'm going to because you said that it got the lowest number of votes that it got 21, but the other one got 24. But yours was supposed to win. I don't know. I'm just going to go with it that yours was supposed to win. And here's my advice. First of all, realistically, it probably was an oversight and it's worth mentioning. It's worth being like, oh, I swear I checked it and it was mine. Did I misunderstand the rules or something? Whatever. I think you can totally do it in like a lighthearted way. Um, and I don't think it's a sign that they don't like you. I, I don't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, don't let your brain run away with you there. That is a, that's a slippery slope, my friend is, you know, it's the one we all spiral in late at night. Um, but I do want to add on to this because this is something that I've been thinking about a lot lately. And I just feel like it applies to literally every situation, every social situation. I myself am done doing literally anything that makes me feel bad. Anything at all. I am done hanging, not saying that these girls make you feel bad, but I'm just saying if it gets to that point where they're no longer filling up your cup, as it were, um, I'm I'm not going to do anything that makes me feel bad anymore. I'm not going to spend one moment around any person who makes me feel bad at all. And I am not going to be sorry about it. All right. Like I, I feel like we as women, we put up with a lot and we do a lot of things out of obligation and we let people say things to us and we let social situations overtake us. And I, I don't know. I just I want to add on here to anybody who's part of a, a book club, a baking club, a neighborhood group. If there is anybody in there that doesn't make you feel good, I now give you permission to stop going. You, you don't have to. You can find something fun to do all on your own or maybe with one other person. But you, you do not have to put yourself through things that make you sad. So best of luck with the book club. I am totally sure that it was an oversight and it's going to be something lovely. But if it continues to make you feel bad, uh, you tell them that Maddie gave you explicit permission to not go back to book club. So there's my advice on that. Let's go on to the next voicemail. Hello, Maddie. I have three questions for you. First, what do you think of The Life You Lead by Nice Boy Ed? What are your theories on this? I'm actually very interested on what you think. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, please look it up. It's very important. Second, are you more folklore or evermore? There's no wrong answer but there kind of is. Thirdly, I am, and we're taking a sharp left turn here, I'm going to New York in two weeks. What is the one restaurant that I should eat at, keeping in mind that I am a 19-year-old college student? And these are all of the same importance to me. Okay, love you, bye. All right, let's talk Taylor Swift. Let's talk Easter eggs and Swifterhood. And I'm gonna, I'm about to say something real spicy. I'm about to get real honest with you guys right here. I feel like the Easter eggs are a little much. Okay. 
I feel like I'm drinking. I'm trying to take a, a sip from a fire hose. Like there's so much. There's a bajillion videos about how these numbers could add up to this about this date. And maybe it means that this song that was released three years ago maybe means this and this was alluding to that. And the collaborator here said this in an interview two years ago. And maybe that means that she's going to release this on this date because like it's a lot. It's a lot. And I love Taylor Swift and I will I will ride or die till the end of time. But just give me something concrete. okay? I'm already existing in a little bit of a fantasy world in my own brain. It doesn't help that every single thing she releases is coded or like has some secret meaning. Like, I just want to know when the songs are coming out. I just want to listen to them in peace. I feel like this is causing me more distress than anything else. So the nice boy Ed thing, basically it's a, so she made a TikTok promoting Midnight's, her new album. And the song attached to it was called The Life You Lead by Nice Boy Ed. So everybody is speculating. Is it a collaborator? Is it Ed Sheeran? Is it Bon Iver? Is it a mysterious musician somewhere else? Is it actually her under a pseudonym? Like all of these different things. And literally talking about it makes me tired. Like it's just this woman. She's so smart. And I I respect every bit of everything she does for marketing. And it works so well. But man, I am a little a little tired. I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit tired. I don't know how much more I can take. As far as your second question goes, uh, am I folklore evermore? I'm an evermore girly. Okay. I can't deny it. I love evermore. I know she doesn't talk about it a lot. It's like another whole thing. People are like, what does she mean by evermore? Like it's, it's exhausting to be a Taylor Swift fan. It's like doing cardio nonstop. Like I just want some peace and quiet. (laughs) But I do like Evermore uh, because I love champagne problems and I feel like that really puts it over the edge for me. Uh, So I love Evermore. And then your last question, which was best restaurant in New York. Um, I'm by no means a New York aficionado. I mean, I love it there. I've been a few times. I like to think I have a a decent handle on, on some good places to eat there. My favorite pizza in New York. I don't know if it's basic. I'm so sorry if it is, but it's Prince Street Pizza. I love it. Every time I've gone, it's been amazing. And then the other two restaurants that I love, sorry, I know you asked for one, but these two are close to each other. They're both in the East Village, which is actually when I started the bad broadcast, when we were there Airbnb for a class I was taking, uh, we would go eat at these two places all the time. So both of them in the East Village. One of them is called Ozatar, which is Lebanese food amazing. And then the other one is called Bob White Counter, which is fried chicken. And it's like really tiny standing room only pretty good prices. That's what I would suggest. Prince Street Pizza, Ozatar and Bob White Counter. So I don't know. Let me know. Let me know. New Yorkers, New York bad broads. Let me know if I did pretty good. Uh, All right. Let's go on to the next voicemail. Hi, Maddie. This is Chloe calling from Montana. I absolutely love you and your show. I have been watching or listening since you were on with Wesley. Um, I love you. I was just wondering what your morning routine is, including your skincare, because I noticed your skin has been popping off lately. So what does your morning routine look like, including your skincare routine? Thank you so much. Love listening to the pod. Have a great day. Bye. All right. You reeled me in getting to talk about my morning skincare routine. I love talking about my skincare routine. I love hearing about other people's skincare routines. I love watching them on TikTok. I love I love all things getting ready and unready. So I will happily answer this question and probably drone on about it for quite some time. Uh, but first, 
spoiler, not spoiler, um, buzzkill, I have stopped washing my face in the morning. Edgy. I know. I know. I just do a quick little wipe down. I'm going to name some products here and I will try to remember to list them on my Instagram. But if not, just just get out your notes and, and write these down because these are some of my holy grails right now. First of all, the thing I or the wipes I use in the morning are the Obagi, O-B-A-G-I, acne cleansing wipes. I only wipe down with those and then I put sunscreen on. I don't wash my face. I don't know why. It just, I, I like to listen to my skin. <laughs> and she was telling me, Maddie, you might be overwashing me. So I stopped washing her in her, stopped washing my face in the morning. Uh, however, I do have a good nighttime routine because I learned about this thing called skin cycling. I actually don't know if that's what it's called, but basically it's helped my skin a lot. So at night, I wash my face with Simply Clean from SkinCeuticals. I mix this up a lot. Like I, I feel like I, I have a good array of skincare and I find some, some holy grails that I love. So I'm just kind of naming what I'm using right now. I use Simply Clean and then I do a chemical exfoliation and I use the Paula's Choice AHA, I want to say it's 2% AHA. And I do a, that's, that's what we call a chemical exfoliation. So when it's like just a liquid and there's not any like beads in it, beads and things like that would be a physical exfoliation. Here's my aesthetics knowledge coming at you real hot. So I do that. And then I usually just moisturize. Lately, I'm loving the Summer Fridays jet lag mask. I glob it on and I just do that. So that's my one, that's one night I do that. The next night, use the same cleanser. And then I'll use my retinol. Right now I'm using a 0.25 retinol from SkinCeuticals. <laughs> this is all off the top of my head. I'm actually pretty impressed with myself. I didn't even write any of this down. I'll use that. And then I will use a the SkinCeuticals. It's an expensive, it's an expensive brand, I will admit, but you only need a little bit. Uh, the SkinCeuticals Phyto Corrective Gel. That's like a green, it's like a green um, like serum. And it helps with irritation. I get super irritated when I use a retinol. So I just do that. And then the next night, <laughs> I don't know if this is interesting to anybody, but I just, I do really like talking about this. And then the next nights I will do just a cleanser and then just any type of, of like soothing serum that I'm feeling. So like I have used the goop one, I've used Dime Beauty Hyperglow serum, like anything that's just kind of like a general serum, like nothing too fancy that just says like all in one or like glow all day or something something like that. So to recap, Monday night, cleanser, AHA, moisturizer. Tuesday, cleanser, retinol, soothing serum, moisturizer. Then the next two nights, I just do cleanser, serum, moisturizer. And then on the Friday or Saturday, whatever the, the next day is, whatever day we're on, I will do a manual exfoliation. So something with beads in it, something that's going to like take the week off. I don't know. In my brain, it just makes sense. That's kind of how I lay out my week of skincare. Oh, I, that was a marathon. I, I, I do really try to just like, I try to get kind of like spiritual with my skin, not like in a weird way, but like I spend some real time, like when I'm cleansing my face, I really, I get in there. I get familiar with her. I feel around. I see where she's got bumps. I see where she's got things that need to be tweezed and plucked. I, I really like to just get to know my skin. Also, I just re-listened to that and I said AHA when I meant to say BHA. So it's the Paula's Choice 2% BHA. But anyway, I digress. 
the rest of my morning routine is pretty fluid. Um, but I, I do have some key points in my morning that make me feel good. One of them is drinking a lot of water, unfortunately, and eating something relatively healthy. I just, I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a strict eater. I eat what I want. I don't diet, whatever. But in the morning, I do try to have something that has like just a smidge of protein or like maybe a vegetable in it uh, just for the sake of my my bowels. I, I really, I, I find I do myself no favors if I start off with something really unhealthy. Uh, but yeah, drinking a lot of water. I try to just get like some good, just like some good, happy things in my brain. Ever since I started doing these ketamine treatments, sorry, it's my whole personality right now and I'll do a whole episode on them. But I just, I realize how, how, uh, like malleable, I guess my brain is and how much it's affected by the things I put into it. I don't know why it didn't occur to me before doing these treatments that like what I put in my brain actually makes me feel a certain way. So I used to like wake up and like literally I would like turn on Breaking Bad or True Crime or something like, I don't know. I just I I wasn't filling my brain with with goodness first thing in the morning. And I didn't realize how much it was it was bringing me down. So I do try to just start off with something happy, whether that's talking to my friends or talking to Matt or listening to a good song or turning on a good podcast, listening to a book. If the first thing I do in the morning is just somehow bright and shiny, I I do see my day go a little bit better. Then you got the water, you got the good food, you got the good vibes. That's usually where my day begins. The rest of the day, you know, it's up for debate what goes on from there. But I do like to lock in a good morning routine. There's my skincare. There's that rundown. Let's go on to the next voicemail. Madison Marvolo Murphy. I want to know what is something that has happened to you lately that made you feel old? P.S. We're the same age. Bye. You know what has made me feel old lately is when I'm on TikTok and I'm watching all of these interviews from like the Kelly Clarkson show and the Drew Barrymore show. And it's all of these celebrities that we grew up with. And now they're just all talking about their lives like they're the the good old days. Like Cameron Diaz is like on these shows just like promoting her new wine company. And I remember when those were the celebrities that were like the center of our world. Like seeing Cameron Diaz on a on the People magazine was like a hot topic. Now she's just like a mom who runs a wine label and talks about her old flames with Jimmy Kimmel. Like I feel like they are so old now and it makes me feel old. Like Britney Spears feels like a young celebrity in my brain. But then I remember that she's a, a just a, a full mom with full teenage kids and just like old. I don't know, seeing all of these celebrities, same with Drew Barrymore. Like she just did that interview with Justin Long and I remember seeing tabloids about their relationship and now they're just like chatting about it. You know, when two people are like so secure in their adulthood and they're just like talking about their old relationship uh, yeah, that that made me feel old seeing all of them, all of them just not in the limelight anymore and just reminiscing and just being like, all right. Yeah, I guess that did happen, you know, 20 years ago. So that made me feel old. All right. Next one. Hey, Maddie. Um, so I'm in the car right now. Hopefully you can hear me. This question also comes from rage. So I'm going to rage a little bit, too. But what is your best advice for being comfortable at the OB? and being like comfortable enough sticking up for yourself and saying no i like need a real solution because i just came from my very first ob appointment i know um i'm just turned 20 my first ob appointment and it was terrifying and 
because I've never done anything like it before. My menstrual cramps, terrible. I am down to the count five days, five days out of the week, like throwing up, passing out, the whole shebang. So I went to go get a solution. Every solution she gave me, she was like, so actually I can't promise that the pain will actually go away. Um, and every other solution that could guarantee pain relief, uh, I can't do because of other health problems. So I just don't know what to do. And I also felt kind of violated at the OB because I've never been like naked on a table before. And it was just uncomfortable. And I didn't feel comfortable sticking up for myself because I was scared. Anyways, that's all. I love your advice and I love you so much. I hope you have the best day and I hope you have the best life. <laughs> so I was 22 before I ever went to the OB. That was how old I was when I got my first pelvic exam, pap smear, breast exam, all of that. I'd never gone to an OB before. And it shocked me how violated I felt. Like not like I, I just was not prepared. I had no idea. Like and I was pretty open. Like I I didn't feel like I had any weird stuff with like my body or like being naked or anything. Like, I don't know. I don't know if this is a good gauge, but like I I don't know. Like we my friends and I always changed in front of each other. Like I would change my tampon with my friends in the room. Like nothing, nothing felt like off limits. I don't know if that's normal, but uh, I didn't expect that when I went to the OB that I was going to feel such vulnerability. But I remember like a few days after, like I was like, I'm kind of like shaken up over that experience. Like they just like had their eyes and hands on a body part I've never had anybody look at or touch. Um, so my, my advice, well, well, my advice for finding or for being honest with your doctor, I think that it's kind of like finding a therapist. Not everybody's going to be a good fit. And you do want to find somebody that you can be honest with and open with and that you feel like they are giving you answers. Like, that's literally exactly how I feel about a therapist. Like, it, it's hit and miss and not everybody's going to be a winner and you're not going to jive with everybody. So if you have to try again with a different OB, that's totally fine. But your OB should be somebody who you can be intimately honest with. I mean, like, your sexual and vaginal health and like just all of that should be something that you don't. Like, it's already a taboo topic. It's already something that you have to sugarcoat in front of everybody else. Like, your doctor that's supposed to be dealing with the health of it should be the one place that you can let it all hang out, literally. So if you're not feeling that with your OB, there are some out there. And I feel like I feel like when we've done, like, vagina episodes, uh, like, about gynecologists and stuff like that, I always get feedback from doctors that are like, find a doctor who will listen to you. Like they they they're out there and they want to help you and you can ask friends for recommendations and things like that. But you definitely, definitely want somebody that you don't feel like you have to hold anything back. And yeah, as far as being comfortable there, I mean, does it ever feel comfortable? I hear from women who have had babies. They're like, it's fine. Once you had a baby, it's like free game down there. But it's still an intimate part of your life and your body. So it's OK to have some uh, some reservations. But just know that you should feel like your OB and your doctor and your therapist. And the same goes for all of them. Like they're on your team. It shouldn't be like you pleading your case against a jury. It should be like you are talking to your lawyer who's your advocate. That's that's how it should feel. It, I, I, I don't know. You, you guys know what I mean. It shouldn't feel like you're fighting your OB about your own health. It should be like they they want the same thing for you. But yeah, I I wish I knew how to better prepare because my mom did try to prepare me for, uh, you know, pelvic exams and things like that. But I would plug my ears and scream if she ever said the word vagina or nipple or private part. Like I just would not let her do it. 
Uh, but yeah, the breast exam caught me really, really off guard. I'll never forget my first breast, breast exam because she full on, I mean, she, she double fisted. That's not a great word. I shouldn't use that when talking about the gynecologist. Uh, but she went in on both tits and uh, she, she didn't hold back, which is great. She was thorough. But yeah, man, you just, you leave and you're like, okay, I got a little beat up today, but we'll get through it. So just find somebody who feels like your advocate and shop around, ask friends uh, for people that they've had good experiences with and don't give up. Feeling comfortable at your lady doctor is pivotal. Uh, I think we actually have another voicemail about vaginas in here. Let's see if we can find it. Might not be this one, but it's, it's in here. Let's go on. Hi, Mads. Mad dog, my girl. You know, I feel like we're friends, obviously. Everybody probably feels like that because we listen to you every week, which isn't creepy because you want us to, right? Anyways, I just, I maybe missed like five episodes total out of all the ones you've put out, I think. And I don't know if you've ever talked about sex. I didn't really see the post if you like had a certain topic, but you know, I just, I want to know your thoughts about like premarital sex post-baby sex, not, yeah, just opinions, you know, like, do you think that it's fun to get freaky in the bedroom? What about introducing a, a third party? No? What's fun, not fun? Are you willing to try a new thing? Do you think the other partner should be willing? You know, I just want to hear your thoughts. I think it'd be interesting if you're comfortable. Anyway, love you. Bye. Knew it was, knew it was in here somewhere. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and tell my mom, my dad, my brothers, anybody else who's listening to this who uh, doesn't want to hear me talk about my sex life uh, to just tune out now because I'll get I'll, I'll share some I'll share some deets with you guys. I'll get I'll get honest here. Um, yeah, I don't talk about sex a lot on the podcast, which is weird because I don't feel like in my personal life I avoid it. Like I feel like I'm pretty open about it. I'll talk to people about it pretty openly. But yeah, on the podcast, I don't. And I don't know if that's just like my my Mormon upbringing, you know, manifesting itself that I just haven't felt like I could publicly talk about sex. I don't know. Uh, but we can definitely, definitely talk about it here. Um, so yeah, I mean, to, to be honest, I still have a lot of, I still have a lot of shame attached to sex for myself. I obviously, I grew up LDS. Um, I didn't learn a lot about it. I didn't really know anything about sex until after I got married. I have only ever had sex with one person and I waited till marriage. Like I, I did not know a lot about it. And even still, I'm deconstructing a lot of that shame around my body and pleasure and things like that. And that is probably why I don't talk about it because I don't know if I'm completely comfortable with it myself yet. And I'm 20, I'm almost 29, you know? So like as far as my my opinions on sexual things they've changed they've taken a full 180. I mean, I used to be very pro waiting until marriage. Obviously, if I if I wasn't that, I wouldn't have done it. But now I'm like I absolutely think that you should have sex before you're married. I mean, it's such a huge part of intimacy and it is a learning curve to say the least. Um I was you know, lucky enough to marry marry somebody who understood that part of my life and was raised very similar to me similarly to me. Uh, so we were able to help each other through that. But yeah, I really did not like think about it a lot or know a lot about it. And I just had so much shame attached to it. And now that I'm older and I'm like, I don't know, trying to be more open about it, trying to be more open to myself and like what I like or what sounds good or what my, you know, interests might be. Uh, it's empowering and also kind of scary. I'll be totally honest. Like 
I still feel like I kind of have this like nagging voice telling me that it's wrong, even though I know it's not wrong. So I I just try and I try and just welcome it and talk about it in therapy a lot and be open with Matt about about everything. But yeah, it's it's hard to it's hard to deconstruct sexual shame because it is so I don't want to say invasive, but it's just it's like pouring concrete into your brain. You know, like it sticks there. Like it's not going anywhere unless you really do some hard personal work to dig it out. And then you add in like body image stuff that I dealt with. And I don't know, I um I have this thing. I I I don't ever talk about this, but I uh I have this thing. I call it the feeling. And <laughs> I uh whenever I wear something uh that is like a little bit tight or a little bit low cut or if I have like any type of like sexual thought at all, I get I have a very, very visceral reaction to it, a very negative like shame fueled reaction. Um, I only know how to describe it as the feeling, but it's like this deep, deep, deep dread um, when it comes to anything about sex or my body. So that is something that like literally every single day, I don't know why I'm getting emotional about it. It's just such a huge part of, of my life. And it's why I don't talk about it because it's really been a hard hurdle for me, but I've tried I've tried to be more open with myself and more honest with myself and like look at my sexuality as a strength and as a kind of a superpower and as something that's not to be um, hidden away or or sheltered or anything like that. Not saying that it has to become my whole life, but just owning my my sexuality and what makes me feel good and being proud that I'm a person who can talk about that. Gosh, why am I? This is such a weird thing to get emotional about. Obviously, I'm deconstructing things. But yeah, that's kind of where I am with sex. I I hope that every person feels empowered in their sexuality to try new things. And above all else, I hope that if you choose to have a sexual partner, that it's full of communication and consent and care and vulnerability and openness and all of those things. And that it's somebody that you really, really, really trust. And also that that relationship can be with yourself. To be honest, I mean, I'll be real honest with you guys right now. You guys want to hear something shocking? I did not know. I did not know that women could masturbate until I was 25. I was 25 years old when I learned that. That was four years ago. That was four years ago that I learned that. If your jaw's on the floor, I don't blame you. Um, but yeah, that that partner and that trust can also be within yourself. And that's something that I'm working on Every single day, obviously, if I'm getting emotional about it now, but um, own your sexy selves, discover your sexy selves. Um, I will make a goal to be more open about that. I, 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 not that she was calling me out by any means, but I just, I didn't realize how much of me has kind of been hiding that away and not being, not being super open about it. So I'll crack those open. I'll crack those knees open for you guys. Wow. There's my strangely emotional sex rant. <laughs> Let's go on to the next voicemail. Oh, hi, Maddie. Uh, this is Taylor. And my question for you is, if you could have any, uh, I guess, like, pop culture moment or media moment or like, whatever, whatever it is, pop, pop culture moment, um, be erased from your memory or from everyone's memory in the world, what would it be? And why? Anyway, love you so much. Uh, Keep killing it. Keep doing it. Bye. Wow. I'm I'm so happy you asked because I have a list right here 
uh, pop culture moments that I could do without the entirety of Fuller House. Uh, Janet Jackson's Super Bowl boob, Donald Trump becoming president, Claire as the Bachelorette, Stranger Things season two, episode seven, the finale of Game of Thrones just as a whole, U2's album showing up in everybody's iTunes, Alec Baldwin's voicemail to his daughter, and last but not least, Carl's Jr. commercials. I could have done without any of those. Hey, Maddie, it's Leia from um, Salt Lake City, Utah. Um, I'm 19 and I love your podcast, but I just want some advice as you being the cool older sister in my life. I kind of want to know what you'd say to people my age who, I don't know, I feel like there's a lot of scary life changes at this point. And I have a lot of cool opportunities, but they're scary and I'm scared to leave home and I'm scared to leave my comfort zone. And I don't know, I just love some insight from you. Um, I don't know, maybe you can, like kind of what you'd tell your younger self to do at these scary experiences. Um, I hope that made sense and I hope you're having a fantastic week. I love you and the podcast and um, bye. Well, first of all, I'm so, so, so honored and flattered that you look at me like an older sister type. That is very, very cool to me because I am nobody's older sister and it's a role I always wanted. So I will wear I will wear that badge with honor. Um, And this is a good one to end on. I love this question. And I love thinking about what I would tell what I would tell my younger self, because a lot of times it's what I'm telling myself right now. And this has kind of been on my mind lately and it's something that I learned. I actually talked about it on, um, I went on Heather Gay's podcast, if you want to listen to that. And I talk about it there, but I learned something that totally shifted my perspective. It's that our brains are not, they're not wired to make us happy. They're wired to make us comfortable. They're wired for survival. They're not necessarily wired for joy. That's something that we have to go out and chase and find our brains will automatically tell us to do the thing that feels most comfortable because that's how you survive. When you know it's safe, you stay, you stay there and you stay in your comfort zone. So of course your comfort zone is going to feel less, less stressful. It's going to have less anxiety surrounding it. Your brain is doing that as a favor to you, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's the thing that will make you the most happy. Additionally, you can't guarantee anything. Okay. You know, anybody who tells you that 100% of the time, if you do this thing, this will result in you being happy. Everything is a gamble. Every relationship, every job, every move, everything. You just have to look at the situation and see if the risk is worth the possible reward. Every, everything is a different hand. You know, it's a different, different game of, game of poker. Um, you just have to weigh your odds. So if it's a new job or if it's a new move, you just have to look at it and say, is, is there a greater chance that this will make me happy than making me sad? And if the answer is yes, then you go with the thing that could possibly make you more happy. And another thing with all of this to keep in mind is that nothing's permanent. You can always, you can change jobs. You can move. You can find new friends. You can find a new, a new place to live. Everything is fixable. Everything's figureoutable. You can do it all. You can try some things and then you can stop and you can quit and you can try something else. Uh, There's literally no rules to any of this. And anyone who tells you that they can guarantee an outcome or they can guarantee that something will make you happy, uh, they're just guessing. They're going off of what's worked for them and there's no guarantee that it'll work for you. 
Uh, I wish I I wish I would have known that when I was younger. I wish I would have just had the main thing on my mind be finding my sense of self. That means finding myself outside of relationships and outside of friendships and outside of my family um, role, any of those things, just completely on my own. Who am I, Maddie? And that's something, again, that I'm working on right now. I'm working on it right now. So this advice isn't even just for my younger self. It's for all. It's for all of us. It's for all of us right now. Uh, that you're in charge. There's absolutely no rules. Everything is going to bring experience. If it doesn't, if it doesn't uh, pan out exactly as you want it to, at least it's a funny story. You know, I said before, who was it? I think it was um, Kate McKinnon. I said this on a really early episode. She said that she likes going to bad parties more than she likes going to good parties because the bad parties always have funnier stories. So just do it all. Do it all for the experience. Um, going along with what I was saying earlier, just about how our brains are hardwired. I think it just took me so long to realize how big of a liar my brain can be and that when it feeds me anxiety and it's telling me like if I make it like if a decision is presented to me and I get anxiety over it, it's not necessarily like a warning or a gut instinct that it's wrong. It's just something new. It could end up being really, really great. So sometimes you just have to fight through that initial anxiety of something new and try it and then make the decision after you've already had the experience of it. Uh, I, I am proud of the things that I tried when I was younger, you know, like going on study abroads or, or taking internships or things like that. I quit a lot of them. I quit most of them. I came home early. They weren't for me. But finding out what I didn't want to do was more important, I think, than finding out what I actually wanted to do. So all the experience was worth it. And I'm keeping that in mind still. So I hope, hope that was helpful. Man, sometimes I go through things in life and I'm like, if this doesn't help at least one person, then what was it even for? So I hope that any of that resonated with you, but uh, I'm a proud older sister no matter what. So let's end it there, shall we? I'm so glad that you joined me this week. Remember to be safe, be kind, be hot, and be petty. Stay petty. Stay petty. I love you so much. I'll see you next week. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. Remember, you can catch a new episode of The Bad Broadcast every Monday. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss anything. Also, I want to hear from you, so please leave a rating and review. You can also follow me on Instagram at The Bad Broadcast for all the behind-the-scenes action and more information. Talk to you next week. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.